You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. A lot of talk about hold-ins this year. Used to always be that players were holding out. But now, with the threats of major fines if you don't show up, it's all about holding in. We started the day talking about DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and Derwin James being present, but not really practicing at their respective camps due to unresolved contract issues. Well... At least one of those gentlemen has more than resolved those issues. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin, in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And yes, we have breaking news. Adam Schefter with the details. Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf signing a three-year, $72 million extension, including $58.2 million guaranteed per a source. That deal includes $30 million in signing bonus, the highest ever for a wide receiver. He will again be a free agent at just 27 years old. Not a bad day for DK Metcalf. Courtney Cronin is in for fits, and I want to ask you, because you've been around camps with these so-called hold-ins before, this one appears to have worked. Yeah, and it didn't have to go on the length of training camp or, or go on to a point where a team that's kind of in a volatile position right now, it you know, traded Russell Wilson away this offseason. DK Metcalf is still a staple within this offense. They didn't have to get to the point where you're wondering, will they or won't they? Like DK Metcalf clearly up until this point hadn't received any offer to his liking. So you've got to look around the league, Tyreek Hill. Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, all of his counterparts all got lucrative deals this offseason. So it was only a matter of time before this was going to happen for DK. But the art of the hold-in and who's going mm-hmm. to like end up doing it the best uh, and who's going to – we're going to look back and say, well, that one didn't work so well. I mean, Derwin James is in the mix, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf. Those were among the three biggest names. Roquan Smith, uh, the team I cover, the Chicago Bears, currently dealing with a – similar yet kind of strange saga since they put him on the pup list but um this one appears to have worked out rather quickly and you know for the for the Seahawks and what they want to build going forward because they are very clearly in the midst of of starting over yeah that's what I was gonna say quick question for you uh because I do want to move on so real quick if the Seahawks appear to be in a rebuild trading away Russell Wilson or at least not in win now mode is this the right move because he'll be back up again when they might actually start being relevant well, he's going to be 27 years old when he can f- hit free agency. So there's another three. There's three years on this deal. I believe that next year's quarterback class could very well tempt them into finding right. a new quarterback that way. <laughs> it's probably not going to be Drew Locke going forward. And you can can already having a piece like DK Metcalf in place. You don't just let someone like that walk via a trade. That was why right. they didn't do anything this off season. So I think. For the franchise as a whole, you've got to be able to field a competent football team, and and certainly having DK Metcalf helps with that. And young enough to keep him around for when you are good again. So big news for DK Metcalf. uh, The highest average per year for a wide receiver uh, was Tyreek at $30 million. Uh, and uh, Devontae, 28, and then it goes down from there to DK now sitting at $24 million. All right, I want to talk Kyler Murray. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about Kyler Murray. First it was Willie or won't he sign. Then it was, holy cow, what a deal. And then it was, what's in the deal? A clause requiring four hours a week, by the way, of studying. That's less than you and I do for our jobs, and we're not getting paid nearly as much. At least I'm not, Courtney. I haven't checked your contract lately. Uh, he is now speaking out about this. Unfortunately, 
The only place he seems to be able to lash out is against us, the media. Here's what he said today in a presser that he called. To think that I can accomplish everything that I've accomplished in my career um, and not be a student of the game and not, um, not, not have that passion and not, not take this serious is, is almost it's disrespectful. And it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost a joke, you know. Um, it's, to me, it's, um, I'm flattered. You know, I'm, I'm honestly flattered that y'all think that at my size I can go out there and not prepare for the game and not, um, you know, not take it serious. It's, 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 it's disrespectful, I feel like, to my peers, to all, the, to all the, the great athletes and great players that are in this league. Um, this game's too hard. Uh, to, to play the position that I play in this league, it's, it's, it's too hard. Okay, I mean, that all makes sense, Courtney, and that's why we're all baffled. That's why we're all talking about this. Because how can you be a successful quarterback in high school, in college, in the pros? How can you be handed a contract this rich and the expectations of a franchise if you aren't someone willing to put in the work and you aren't someone who has put in the work? We get that. It's mind-boggling to us as well. So then why is it in the contract? We didn't write it. You didn't write it. Whoever wrote it believed that it was necessary, and then you signed it. Well, don't you remember the article last year where he was talking about that he's not one of those guys that's going to sit there and, quote, kill myself watching film? Mm-hmm. And he you know, credited his cognitive skills. And, yes, God-given ability, whatever you want to call it, will only take you so far. He's right about that, but – He's the one who kind of stepped in it by saying that on the record for a feature article about himself, um, about what makes him successful on the field. If you're going to be mad at anybody, be mad at the team that they made you agree to have this in your contract in order to get your $230.5 million five-year deal. Like, don't be like, don't be mad at us for bringing this up because it is such a jarring thing that anybody's going to be talking about this. No, this is not a clause you typically see in other quarterback contracts. The ones that you can say, I guess, would be more normal is um, clauses about, you know, can't do X, Y, Z in the offseason, can't go jet skiing, can't, you know, go hella skiing was the Drew Bledsoe thing uh, from a couple years ago from when he was playing. Like, those are the type of things that make sense, but to actually put you need to study football independent of watching film in meetings for four hours a week on your own, A, really curious about how they're going to check in with that. Are they going to give it? There's quizzes? technology. Like, no, there's technology on the iPads that actually tracks if you're uh, watching how much you're using it and, you know, stuff like mouse movement, uh, answering questions, et cetera. So you can't just have it on while you're doing something. Or else. have somebody else <laughs> pay somebody I mean, else. In theory, somebody else could do it. I don't think it tracks your own literal eyeballs. So, yeah, <laughs> somebody else maybe could do it. Um, yeah, I mean – Part of this is, of course, the obvious, which is we're all weirded out by this. You're not alone. But your protestations are falling on deaf ears because we didn't write the contract and we didn't leak it. We're the media. We cover the leak. So you got to find out who thought it was a good idea and in the best interest of anyone, you, the team themselves, to leak this. Because he talked about why he felt the need to come out today and talk about it. And I don't do this often. I don't talk about myself, but today I feel like I have to. And so I'm going to list the accolades. You know, to go 43-0 and in high school in Texas, um, some are going to say, oh, it's high school. That's cool, but nobody else has done it. Um, go to college, win the Heisman, um, get drafted number one overall to the NFL, get drafted number nine overall to the MLB. Again, no one's ever done it. 
there's multiple different ways to watch film. And, you know, of course, we all watch film. That's not um, – that doesn't need to be questioned. Um, but it's – again, I you know, I, I refuse to, to let my work ethic, my preparation be um, – being questioned, you know, I've put an incomprehensible amount of uh, time and, and blood, sweat, tears, and work into what I do, uh, whether whether it's football or baseball. You know, people can't even comprehend the amount of time that it takes to to do two sports at a high level in college. You know, let alone do it. You know, be the first person to do it ever at, at my size. It's like I said, this is um, it's funny, but I, you know, to, to those of you out there that believe that I'd be standing here today in front of y'all. Without having a work ethic and without preparing, I'm, I'm honored that you think that. But um, it it doesn't exist. It's not it's not possible. It's not possible. And Courtney, the reason why he's lashing out at the press is because the only other answer is to lash out at the very team that just signed him. I mean, ironically, the Cardinals just posted a clip of him speaking today, talking about how it's absurd for anyone to question his work ethic. This is the very same team that required in his contract for his work ethic to be questioned. He had every chance to throw the team under the bus, whether it was, you know, actually saying it out loud or, or, or leaking it some way, somehow. But instead, he goes after media members for doing their job of actually parsing through the language of the contract very clearly. And here's how this thing works. These contracts are, are, are you know, they go into a system with the NFLPA. A lot of reporters have access to that or will have agents give them access uh, to contracts so you can see what the language is. Very clearly, someone flagged this, and that's why it became an issue because these contracts are hundreds of pages. There's this one clause in there that would have gone under the radar had somebody not said, take a look at this. Can you believe that they put this in Kyler Murray's contract? So that's how it became an issue. Um, but he very clearly knew about this and you know, probably wasn't thrilled but still ended up signing. If you're that unhappy, why did you end up signing the contract? Right. I'm, and again – you can complain all you want, complain to whoever felt this was necessary, or try to figure out why people think this is necessary if you don't believe it to be true. And, you know, we're repeating those claims from the New York Times where, where he said he, he's not going to kill himself watching tape. Go back and revisit that. Go back and revisit why the initial conversations about your contract with the Cardinals involve people calling you selfish and narcissistic and yada yada. There's obviously something going on there, and that's going to be something to keep watching as he begins this massive, lengthy, expensive deal. Spain and Bits is presented by Progressive Insurance, a triple threat of protection with home, auto, and more. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, the Live Golf Series doesn't appear to be going away, and the PGA Tour going to have to start making some tough decisions soon. It comes very close to home. We'll explain next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. If you want to hear a smart breakdown of some of the more nuanced and difficult subjects in sports, especially the intersection of sports and social issues and political issues, ESPN Daily is the place to go, and that's where I went to hear about the Live Golf Invitational at Trump National Golf Course in Bedminster, New Jersey, that's starting. And there's a big opening party uh, and... They they broke it down well. Pablo Torre had Alan Shipnuck, SI golf writer, on there. And uh want to get into a little bit of what they talked about on our own feelings on it. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Donald Trump, former president, will play with Dustin Johnston, Brian DeChambeau in a pro-am. There's a big party that's already, uh, photos are coming out of it. Uh, and he has thus far sort of tried to avoid any questions about Saudi Arabia and their involvement in September 11th. 
Uh, the conversation about Live Golf has been ongoing since Phil Mickelson gave comments to Alan Shipnuck, who was writing a book about him, very openly talking about the fears of getting involved with Saudi Arabia and some of the potential fa- falling outs from getting involved with Live. And Alan was on ESPN Daily talking about comments made by Trump quite recently about a merger and the inevitability of the PGA needing to make amends with Liv. Trump, the former president, he was on his social media platform, Truth Social, sounding off on the entire debate between the PGA and Liv Golf. And he said this, I want to read this to you because it was a remarkable quote that I have questions about. And he said this, quote, All of those golfers that remain, quote-unquote, loyal to the very disloyal PGA in all of its different forms will pay a big price when the inevitable merger, all caps, with Live comes, and you get nothing but a big, quote-unquote, thank you from PGA officials who are making millions of dollars a year. If you don't take the money now, you will get nothing after the merger takes place and only say how smart the original signees were. So what do you make of those comments? What does he mean here by merger, quote-unquote? Well, typically there's not a lot of nuance in that statement, but I don't think he's wrong on some level. I've been saying this since I was at first event in London, that the PG tour has already lost. They just don't know it yet. The Saudi thing is clearly going to be a success. I think there's a good chance that the PG tour is going to have to collectively swallow its pride and bring the live golf circuit into the fold. What Trump is saying, and I don't disagree with is that at some point it makes sense for the PJ tour to absorb the live events and create this global schedule. Mm. And it's what all the players want. They can stay tour members. They can play their favorite tournaments at Pebble Beach and Riviera and wherever. They can partake in the FedEx Cup bonus and, and all that all that extra money. And they can cherry pick some of these live events, which become just this, this huge value added for them. So that's what every player wants, even if they won't say that out loud. So as we look ahead to the potential evolution of this as more and more golfers decide to join as potentially big names like Charles Barkley consider getting involved as a broadcaster and it feels less and less like a third rail you're left with those who are still deeply upset including Brett Eagleson whose father was killed on September 11th who is one of several who planned to protest here's what he had to say to one of our reporters these golfers they're doing business with the king of Saudi Arabia the same government that our own FBI says in black and white facilitated and supported the 9-11 hijackers. That is, that is, not, that is not to be debated. It is, it is public knowledge. Part of me doesn't blame some of these golfers because they're not educated. They don't realize the atrocities. If somebody dangles a shiny object in front of your eye, you know, 200 million for Phil and countless of other dollars for some of these others. I can see them jumping at it and taking it. But at the same time, you need to realize the atrocities that this kingdom has committed all over the world. Know who you're getting in bed with. And if you still choose to take this money, and if you still choose to say, oh, screw it, I don't really care, then that's between you and your maker. We've said our piece, and you can go and do whatever you want. So, Courtney, a lot of people have compared getting involved with LIV to any number of other sports that are involved with administrations of countries that have committed atrocities. And I would say that, of course, we should be paying attention to all of them. But when you're playing 50 miles away from the 9-11 attacks, 
when the league itself is run by the government and is solely for the intent of sport washing. It does not intend to make a profit. It is not right now built in any way to make a profit. It is being used only to allow a government that has rightfully been shunned for business and international affairs because of the atrocities that they've committed. That is a different category than an Olympics being held in a place that, that has those issues. That absolutely should be discussed. And the Olympic Committee who decides those things should be held accountable. But there's a big difference. And simply looking around and saying there's other bad things to me is such a cop-out for deciding that you're willing to sell yourself out, particularly for something as horrific as the most upsetting attack on our nation by a foreign country in, in our lifetime and many lifetimes. And the thing that I took from... Brett Eggleson when he was talking about like what's not up for debate what has been proven was the comments that came from former President Donald Trump because this event is happening at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster New Jersey which as you mentioned Sarah is very close to to ground zero uh, where 9-11 happened you know Trump was asked about you know, how he would respond to family members of 9-11 victims like a Brett Eggleson who, who opposed having the event at his club and made a really tone-deaf comment that nobody had gotten to the bottom of 9-11. Um, so nobody's really, like, understood, like, actually what happened. Well, it's been proven in, in black and white, mm-hmm. as Brett Eggleson had said on the ESPN Daily podcast, who was at the center of orchestrating these attacks. So, of course, you know, this is going to carry a lot of weight for people who are actually have, like, were personally yeah. affected by losing family members uh, well, during 9-11. And a lot of these golfers, you know, they see a price tag. They see a payday for themselves. And, yeah, he's right. You can't blame them because they're not educated necessarily on it. They see their way of making generational wealth, which just comes at the cost of, of these people having to relive a very painful moment. I'm not giving them an out on not being educated. First, certainly not Trump, who he himself in 2016 said it wasn't the Iraqis who blew up the World Trade Center. It was Saudi. Look at Saudi Arabia. He knew and everyone has known for some time. And these golfers know because it has been the topic of conversation since Liv was announced. So what they are saying is we don't care. What they're saying is we are willing to use whataboutism of atrocities elsewhere to cover up for our own willingness to sell out our country and the people who lost family members to this. This is not an apples to apples situation for as much as people are trying to make it so. And that doesn't mean it's going to stop. It certainly probably will be very successful because too many people simply don't care. Coming up, we'll get back to training camp in the NFL and a potential blow to the Bucks. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin hanging out with me in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio and Spain and Fitz are presented by Progressive Insurance. Get renter's insurance to protect the things that make your place a home, including coverage for theft or damage. Visit Progressive.com. Here to give us a little update on the Buccaneers, good and bad, and certainly some bad today, it's ESPN Buccaneers reporter Jenna Lane. Let's talk Ryan Jensen, carted off the field with a knee injury today. What are you hearing right now? Yeah, I will tell you, Sarah, it did not look good, and it didn't sound good either. There's a video that's floating around online which had a much better angle on this than I did. It was actually from a fan in the stands. And, I mean, you can just hear it. I even advised people when I retweeted it, you might not want to have the volume on. Mm. And, I mean, he was just on the ground writhing in pain, got rolled up on by a teammate. And, I mean, as soon as he hit the ground, he just he threw his helmet down. So 
So it's not looking good. I'm told right now they don't have a definitive diagnosis, but that it's not looking good. So they believe he has a serious knee injury. And, you know, this is the guy that is really the tone setter and the enforcer along this offensive line. He was the first free agent that the Bucks re-signed. And when you consider the fact that the Bucks are already going to be without their starting left guard from last year, Ali Marpet, he retired, and then they lost their starting right guard, Alex Kappa, to the Cincinnati Bengals in free agency, and then possibly Ryan Jensen. They're going to have three new interior offensive linemen potentially this year. And we all know Tom Brady does not like having pressure up the middle. Like the, It's like that for many quarterbacks. But but we know that Tom Brady in particular does not mm-hmm. like that. So um, really, really big shoes to fill. Uh, right now, um, you know, I think they're going to be looking at some veteran options. But Robert Hainsey, who was a, a 2021 draft pick, who played about 29 snaps at center last year, but has never snapped to Brady in a game. He's the guy that's going to be stepping in as of right now. Rough that this has to happen on the first day of practice and all of the expectations that were going into this season for this offense. And it feels like they're signing pieces left and right and and probably are going to have to do that on the offensive line going forward to, to make up for that absence. But Speaking of some of the new additions and the most recent one in Julio Jones, what did he look like uh, out there today? And what's been kind of his attitude now getting a chance to join a division rival? So today was their second practice, but it was Jones's first practice. And he didn't participate yesterday because he was uh, doing his physical and all that stuff. He had just flown in the night before, but he looked great. And he said, you know, he feels really good health-wise. I know the hamstring was an issue for him all throughout last year. And, you know, in talking to him, I kind of got the sense that maybe he wishes he would have been a little more patient with that. You know, obviously that would have meant missing more games, but maybe that would have meant that his body, uh, you know, he could depend a little bit more on his body and and to kind of be the player that we've known him to be for years. But, you know, Tristan Wirth, one of their tackles, he joked, you know, it's almost like being in a video game with this team because they're just bringing in players left and right. I'd, I'd imagine it feels very similar uh, to what the Rams have. But, you know, Jones was, was you know, very open about the fact that, look, you know, at this point in his career, he doesn't feel like he's got to prove anything to anybody when it comes to his health, his age. He said, I'm not here to step on any toes. And he was really complimentary of, of the receivers they already have. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, he's like, I don't think those guys get enough credit for who they are as people off the field, what they do in the community and just who they are as, as people, you know, you play somebody twice a year, you get to know him in, in passing, and he really liked what those guys were about. And then, of course, Russell Gage was his, his Falcons teammate for a long time, and he's got a lot of respect for him. But he's like, I'm not here to step on any toes. You know, if you want me to block all game, I will block all game. I will mentor whatever I have to do. He just really wants to, to win a ring. And, and Kyle Rudolph kind of echoed that as well. He's accomplished just about everything he's wanted to in his career except for a championship. That's what those guys are after. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Courtney Cronin in for Fitz today. We're talking to Jenna Lane, ESPN Buccaneers reporter. You can follow her at Jenna Lane ESPN. Just a couple days into camp, but how different does it feel with Todd Bowles at the helm after years of Bruce Arians? It does definitely feel different. And, uh, you know, Bruce is still out there. We weren't exactly sure how much he was going to be out there, but I, I actually talked to him uh, this morning, and he looks great. He's in a great place. He feels really good about his role where he's going to be doing a lot of assisting with general manager Jason Light. Because, you know, as much as as Bruce gets credit for his offense, a lot of people don't realize that he really does enjoy the talent evaluation aspect of this. And 
he's pretty good at it. So, and I think that's one of the reasons why they they had success in recent years is because he he has a good working relationship with Jason Light. They don't always agree on everything, and they don't always see everything eye to eye, but um, they work well together. And he's kind of got a good feel for what what guys he sees out there, whether it's free agents or draft picks. Um, looking at that potential and how it might translate into his system. And, and I know that that's certainly going to be a big help for Todd Bowles as he has taken on a much bigger role. But, you know, guys will tell you that Bowles has a much different personality. He, when he is chiding a player, he's not necessarily screaming at them. He's, he's not a screamer, but he'll do it in a more sarcastic type of way, but he's still getting the point across. And and the big thing that that really comes down to is just doing things authentically. Bruce is a big proponent of that. And and Todd, you know, being one of his former players and and one of his disciples is much like that too. But, you know, I I caught up with Joe Troyan Shoyinka, um, you know, who's stepping into a much more significant role, taking over for Jason Pierre-Paul. And he feels like, the onus is on this defense even more to go out and show everybody that Todd Bowles wasn't just a great defensive coordinator, but he's a really good head coach too. He's like, you know, he's, he's somebody that you want to run through a brick wall for. And, and a number of other players have echoed that. Quick question for you on that. Uh, Cause I, I want to get Courtney back in here, but we've not spent much time talking about Tom Brady trying to leave this team for the dolphins and ultimately getting caught up in a, coach suing the team and then returning back to the Bucks, and we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the whole Bruce Arians Tom Brady potential fallout that resulted in him stepping away so it's interesting to me that he's right back out there working and it it was not a lie that he will be involved in this is there any fallout from any of that stuff that happened this offseason I haven't seen any of it and I had heard rumblings about friction between the two of them um but, you know, i got to be honest. I mean, I was at Mike Evans' charity event last month, and I was talking to some of the players, and I was talking to Bruce. And Tom comes up to Bruce and just gives him this big hug. And it was very sincere. So I don't know if we'll ever hear everything that went on. I, I do think that there's some truth to the fact that occasionally those two butted heads. But um, and GM Jason Light even said, you know, yeah, a certain amount of friction is, is healthy in an organization. Whether or not that's that actually pushed Bruce out, I don't know if, if we'll ever fully know that. But it, at this point, it seems like everything is amicable. Bruce has said, you know, he's, at least for this first year, he's going to be in the building every single day. He's in his golf cart at practice. He's not wearing the Kangle hat right now, though. He's wearing one of those Panama Jack little little straw hats. It's a good look for him, but but he's in good spirits and you know, every time we've talked to Tom about him, he's he's spoken really highly of Bruce publicly. I know Tom, Tom doesn't always share everything he's feeling, but, you know, he told us he knows how I feel about him, and I know how I feel about him, and I know how he feels about me. Jenna, I saw some video from Leonard Fournette working out, maybe trying to dispel the notion that he's 260 pounds and that the team's not happy with him uh, and where his body is at. What's the latest? Do you know how much he actually weighs? And were some of these concerns over his weight overblown? Well, I actually talked to Lenny very, uh, just very briefly, and he told me he weighed in at 244 pounds. That's more than he would want to play at. I'm not sure if he actually weighed in at 260. That's what reports said. Um, he denied those. But the thing is, is I can tell you, he did look a lot heavier during minicamp, and he said he was 240-ish then. 
So how much he actually weighed, it's up in the air. But he said that he weighed in at 240, and I can tell you that in watching him in practice, he looked a lot slimmer. I asked Todd Bowles about it, and he said that, you know, he's fine. He looks, he looks like he can play now, and he doesn't expect everyone to be in tip-top shape to come to camp in, in peak condition. He says everybody's going to lose about four to five pounds. But I have talked to Summer Fournette's former coaches, and first of all, they said that it's, it's actually pretty normal for him to put on weight in the offseason. Some, some guys genetically just struggle in that area a little bit more. Um, also, lifestyle choices as well. You know, guys are trying to kind of give their bodies a rest. Ideally, you want them to manage it through nutrition. I talked to Mike Evans about that, and he said his body, he was able to take his game to a whole new level by, by watching his nutrition in the offseason. So he would just be within a few pounds of his playing weight and wouldn't have to run himself into the ground and potentially injure himself trying to get into shape. I, I thought that was very eye-opening. Yeah, but, plenty of time uh, for him it, to, to get it figured out, right? It, he does have some time to get it figured out, but, but right now they're they're pretty happy with him. So they just really need to keep him healthy and, and on track and, and hopefully not run him into the ground to get him into that type of shape. But, but Leonard will tell you, weight's always been an issue for his career. He's like, I'm naturally a big guy. And, and he says he always kind of has to, to watch what he eats. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, just send him to Tom Brady's house for a couple of weeks. He'll drop those LBs pretty fast. There's nothing to eat there. Uh, Jenna, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. Great talking to you, gals. At Jenna Lane, ESPN is where you can follow her. If you want some more Bucks talk, by the way, Bruce Arians is going to join Freddie and Fitzsimmons tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. Coming up here on Spain and Fitz, we'll run through an NFL edition of Quickies and remind you of a very, very special anniversary. It's next. For those of you who are not in the know, there's a pretty well-established precedent on Twitter of making bold claims about things in the sports world and ending up on freezing cold takes at old takes exposed. Now the account has been on Twitter since 2010, but I would argue it's been more recent years where you're really going there and you're expecting to see the things pop up that someone said at the beginning of a season or a playoff run or whatever old takes exposed will find you and they will post the receipts. Well, There's an old take exposed that really hits hard today, and it's one of our colleagues. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and it is going to lead off Quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. Max Kellerman, six years ago on this day, said this about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's just about done. It could be his next game he plays. It could be a year from now. But he is going to fall off a cliff. Tom Brady is going to be a bum in short order. Now, what do I base that on? Tom, can you say that again? Yes. Hold on. Yeah. Did you just say that Tom Brady is just about done? Yeah. And he's going to be... A bum in short order. Is that what you just said? Correct. A bum in short order. Yes. Yoinks. Uh, You know, for those of you who haven't been keeping up, Tom Brady's won three Super Bowls since then and is still playing. So, Courtney, I think we should find out if anyone can give us a better cold take slash worse hot take than that since then. Can we possibly find... A more famous, at Sarah Spain, at Courtney R. Cronin, at Spain and Fitz, a more famous or worse hot take than that. Because this got so big today that 
Tom Brady uh, tweeted at him, ratio, plus I have a swimwear line now. <laughs> Smart of him. I guess he, he, he wanted to make sure that he got that plug in. And Max responded, you've only won three Super Bowls since then. Calm down. <laughs> so he had to eat it. Great response. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I don't think I have. I'd have to go back and look. I've, I'm sure I've had some takes that haven't held up but fortunately I've never actually made it on old takes exposed or freezing cold takes any of the Twitter um, police that are out there that you know make sure to hold us all accountable I haven't made it on there yet but now that I'm saying that I'm opening yeah, myself up you for, definitely uh, just jinxed yourself yeah. I was on it this year but uh, I took umbrage with it because it was like a it was like a 78-year-old ta- day old take or something. It was after the Celtics got worked by the Bulls and had to hold a team meeting and things were falling apart. And then they come back around in the in the postseason as if that take wasn't specific to that moment. I refuse to accept being cold takes exposed, even if perhaps I deserved it in that one. All right, let us know if you could think of a better slash worse hot take ever. At Sarah Spain, at Courtney R. Cronin, at Spain and Fitz. All right, next story. Quickies. Dan Snyder testified, quote unquote, voluntarily in front of Congress today. And I honestly had to start prepping for the show and stopped counting. But last we heard, it was 10 hours and counting of him testifying, Courtney. Now, this is all, of course, uh, a part of the massive investigation into the team. And I think Mina Kimes did a great job summing up all of it today, guest hosting PTI. It's worth refreshing people's memories yeah. as to why he's testifying in the first place. You talk about Congress doing their investigation into Washington's toxic culture that happened because the NFL's investigation was, as you remember, not made public. It was That's not right. even written down. And what they found was deeply alarming. So Snyder himself has been accused of both sexual harassment and sexual assault. Allegedly, he knew about people who worked for him who were accused of similar things. And reportedly, he conducted his own shadow investigation yeah silencing and intimidating witnesses is reported by the Washington Post. And yet, despite all of this, he has largely escaped punishment aside from a fine. And today, Frank, as you said, in testifying without a subpoena, he escaped being asked difficult questions. He did this by reportedly, and I am not making this up, hiding on his $192 million yacht. Look, I, I know with Dan Snyder, because there are so many stories like this, over such a long period of time and nothing seems to happen. It is easy to get desensitized to them, but none of this is normal and none of it is going to change unless we hold the other owners, who are the decision makers here, accountable for keeping him amongst their ranks. I completely agree, and Courtney especially, seeing as we've heard that the potential uh, defense that's being used for Deshaun Watson right now is you don't hold any of the owners accountable for conduct unbecoming. You don't hold any of the owners accountable for decisions around behavior that uh, affects the reputation of the team in the league. So why would you use that precedent for me? You're you're going to let other crimes, literal crimes, uh, go unpunished simply in order to continue protecting ownership? That's exactly what would happen if Deshaun Watson were to win mm-hmm. the argument based on that, that uh, using that logic. The headlines for Daniel Snyder, like, I, I think there's a fatigue among mm-hmm. people out there because it has been endless. And this is not just 2020 when the Washington Post broke the story about the work, like, what was going on with like the workplace misconduct, sexual harassment, 
uh, sexual assault allegations. This guy is a billionaire NFL owner and is hiding in the Mediterranean Sea on his yacht right now because he didn't want to testify under oath in front of Congress. The mm-hmm. reason he agreed to do this deposition is because it's not under oath. Granted, the, the House committee can, can leak this. They can put out the entire pr- uh, transcript if they want to. But the fact is, like, there was never a subpoena served. This guy is literally hiding out in international waters yeah. because – and tell me that that's not, like, you know, incriminating yourself right. in its yeah. own right. Like, if you have nothing to hide, you come back to the United States. And, of course, he's using the death of his – the one-year anniversary of the death of his mother and the fact that they're in Israel right now, have a ton of events throughout the week. Uh, that's all, he's like, got a lot of well and good. Like, there's a lot used. of very convenient yeah. excuses as to why he's not here. He appeared, quote-unquote, voluntarily – but under oath. But the House Oversight Committee said it was prepared to compel his testimony on any unanswered questions via a subpoena, meaning he tried to use this voluntary appearance in order to be able to avoid certain questions. They don't intend to let that slide. Also, a statement for Snyder uh, from a spokesperson said, despite the investigation's conclusion last month, marked by proposed legislation and a summary of findings, Mr. Snyder fully addressed yada, yada, yada. They received... Uh, word recently reports from the Oversight Committee that, quote, contrary to Mr. Snyder's statement, our investigation did not conclude last month. So it certainly sounds like there is more yet to come in this. And I completely agree with you. And I completely agree with what Mina said. It is very difficult for the ball to get moved a half a yard every couple days on this story. You're looking for that giant touchdown and you're not going to get it right now. And I would argue that some of the things we've learned about this team, particularly Snyder hiring people to intimidate witnesses and family members of witnesses, should be enough. But we are so fatigued to the horrificness of everything around that man and that team that we do sort of lose the urgency. And I urge the NFL not to because it's been years now of them, for whatever reason, deciding to let him uh, continue to skate. We'll give you updates on that when we get them. Coming up changes coming to the Cowboys if they don't take a step forward this year. We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I'm a little worried about having our next guest on. He seems to be good friends with an old friend of mine with whom I traveled across multiple states in an RV to cover the Super Bowl and with whom I also was once kicked out of Dodger Stadium alongside. Uh, But we of course, won't have time to get into any of that. We've got to talk Cowboys. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. NBC5 Dallas-Fort Worth sports director Nui Scruggs joins us now. Uh, Nui, we're going to start you off with the six-year anniversary of Max Kellerman saying Tom Brady would be a bum, and he's won three Super Bowls since. Can you recall any of your takes that have been that cold? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was working in Cleveland, and the Browns were moving. They fired Belichick. And I said on WEWS-TV, that man will never, ever win a Super Bowl. Oh, boy. I'll bet a paycheck on it. Yeah, oh, no. that was the dumbest thing I ever said. Yeah. Did, did the paycheck actually – did you have to follow through? Uh, luckily, I was doing weekends, and I don't think many people were watching that day. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect, perfect. Uh, let's get to Cowboys training camp. A lot of questions about this team for as good as they were last year. Man, did the way things ended leave a bad taste in your mouth. Is that hanging over this team in any way as camp begins, even if just 
in the expectations from fans, or have we moved past that disgusting finish? No, they didn't. Uh, Dak Prescott just spoke about this less than 90 minutes ago, saying that it's there, they've got to think about it. And that was how uh, Anthony Brown broke the huddle. Mike McCarthy spoke about it yesterday and today. That It's there. Um, you don't want to forget about it, which I think is a good thing. Look, you watch the 49ers bring a boombox into your own stadium, then they beat you up with a quarterback mm. with a bad thumb and leave. And you look like you've never, you guys don't even know how to run a two-minute drill at the end. They should be embarrassed. That was not the way to lose the game uh, against a team that you were favored to, to beat in the playoffs. So the Cowboys have to wear it, but at the same time, you got you have to move forward from it. But don't forget about it. They made a lot of changes to their skill positions, especially the wide receiver group this year, letting Amari Cooper go. He signs with the Browns. And then they brought in Jalen Tolbert via the draft. How has that rapport looked in the early part of camp between Dak and Tolbert? Well, Courtney, yesterday, uh, Dak told us that Tolbert didn't run exactly wasn't exactly where he needed to be, and Anthony Brown picked it off for a, uh, a touchdown in the two-minute drill yesterday. But he said he's working to get better, and they went down to Miami. So we'll see you know, where that actually goes. And one of the things I was talking about, Courtney, is down here with the Cowboys, I call it all Oxnard. Guys who look good in Oxnard, but all of a sudden you put them in a the preseason game, and then it's all gone. <laughs> Danny Amendola was like that. I mean, Danny Amendola, when he first came to the Cowboys, the free agent caught everything. Against San Diego Chargers, he couldn't catch a thing and ended up getting cut. Ended up having a good career, but that's what can happen to you. So I will not get excited about anything that I see in Oxnard until I start to see it replicated in the preseason game and then translate to the regulars. I'm talking to Newey Scruggs. At Newey Scruggs is where you can follow him. Are both of those names real? Actually, it is and it isn't. So it's not my birth name, but my sister um, called me Newey for new baby, new brother. And I'm from Alabama. We're all named after our dad, but they call us something else. So I'm Albert III. I'm Newey. Robert Jr. is Dino. Uh, Arthur Jr. is Jimmy. Dabo Sweeney, yeah, it comes from, he's from Alabama, came from a cousin who said that, was trying to say that boy. Dabo. Okay. So that's what we got. Newey Scruggs is just a fantastic reporter name. I expect you to always have a fedora <laughs> and a, either a pipe or a cigar and a, maybe a trench coat in, in, in the colder times. Um, Newey Scruggs is with us, NBC5 Dallas-Fort Worth sports director. What are the expectations for Ezekiel Elliott? Career low in rushing yards per game last season. Said he doesn't really have pressure of living up to the contract, but uh, I think a lot of other folks would have some expectations for him. Look, Mike McCarthy said yesterday that he is a one of the heartbeats of this football team. He has mad respect for Ezekiel. Um, Carolina game, fourth game of the year last year, he uh, he tore that PCL. He wasn't the same. Tried to play through it. He is not looking for my, your, anyone else's approval. He believes it's about what he brings to this football team, and he expects to be better. Do not look for 1,600 yards. Don't look for him to lead the NFL in rushing because, frankly, that was when he played for Jason Garrett and they believed in running the football. That's not Mike McCarthy's jam. It certainly isn't Kellen Moore's jam. But if you can put together a 1,300, 1,400-yard season, that'll help. But they're also going to mix Tony Pollard heavily into the packages because they don't have the same receiver depth that they did before, and they like to have a one-two punch combination going. So Tony Paul's going to get some carries here. But if you look at the take Zeke in the top ten of your fantasy draft, I may say don't mm-hmm. do that. 
Jerry Jones has spoken, as he often does, and it feels like he's putting Mike McCarthy on a playoff or else sort of hot seat here. So I've got to ask you, is Mike McCarthy on the hot seat entering this season? Jerry's going to be 80 years old this year. Everybody on the hot seat. The man doesn't have any more practice. <laughs> he knows it. So, so yes. And, and Jerry's the kind of guy that you know, he sat at the podium on Monday and sat there told us, Mike McCarthy's my guy. First off, he owed Mike McCarthy that because a whole lot of the speculation about Mike McCarthy's job mm-hmm. came from Jerry. So he owed him that. But what he says come January is going to be a whole different deal. Like I said, he's 80. Sean Payton is out there. Dan Quinn's potentially going to be out there because so far the defense has been whooping up on the offense here. So Dan Quinn may, never, may get another shot at the apple here. So Mike McCarthy's going to have to win because the owner is about to be, look, going to die. So you want to get one in before you, <laughs> before, you call, before you get called up to the pearly gate. It's Spain and Fitz there. Spain, Jace, uh, Jace Fitz is out. Courtney Cronin's in for Fitz tonight. We're talking to Nui Scruggs about the Cowboys. A follow on that then, what would we expect to see that would reveal McCarthy is aware of that short leash? Is there a change that should happen immediately? Other than obviously the continued, you know, qualms about his clock management, are there other aspects of how he coached this team last year that he has promised to change or that there has been a flurry of calls for him to change? I would just say let's see what happens in these first two football games. They face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, followed by uh, a game against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. McCarthy's came out in his press conference and said, young players are going to play heavily into how the Cowboys uh, go the first part of the year. To me, that's code for we're going to play some young guys and maybe a couple guys step on themselves a little bit. Maybe it takes us a while to get some of the receivers going here. So everybody hold on. So it's just going to be really a case-by-case. Sports is fluid. So what we think here in July, let's see what happened come September 11 and, and, and past that. Nui, I know with this defense, you mentioned Dan Quinn uh, leading this unit, and they've already been whooping up on the offense, even though it's just been a couple days of training camp. Um, what can he do to kind of create an encore this year? I know that with the interceptions and, and Trayvon Diggs, those numbers typically regress, but how confident is this group feeling that it can top what it did in 2021? I look at Micah Parsons, Courtney, and here's a guy that was the unanimous rookie of the year. He didn't play college football the year before. So he's changed his body a little bit, lost a little bit of weight, according to McCarthy. Now he knows what to do. He knows how an NFL game's going. He, you know, he knows what to do in 17 football games, which he'd never done in his career. So I just think the encore of that will help. Demarcus Lawrence comes into camp for the first time in years where he's not had some type of injury. So if they could figure out their pass rush a little bit here, this is how the defense can be better. They couldn't stop the run when they needed to. I remember the game against Kansas City I was at last year. Kansas City never runs. They went wild against the Cowboys. If they can figure out how to slow down the run and get a pass rush, then they're going to be able to help their football team. So what is a reasonable expectation for this team this year? Shoot. See, I'm a guy that says this first-place schedule that these teams in the NFC East have been on the past couple of years, why you don't have repeat winners? I mean, they got to face Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford. They got Tom Brady. You got an improved Jalen Hurts. Matt Ryan is now on an improved Colts team where he's got a good offensive line in front of him. It's going to be hard for them to win this division again. So while some people are like, hey, they're going to win this thing, I'm like, "Uh, look out. Other folks are getting better around here. So to me, Jerry said they got to make the playoffs and make a deep run. So to me, it doesn't matter if they win the division or they win a wild card. They win two games, then Mike McCarthy should be safe. 
Hmm. It'll be interesting to watch. Never a lack of drama around the Cowboys. Thanks so much for the time, New. Appreciate it. All right, Sarah. I'm not going to tell them stories about you, okay? I'm going to keep it there. All right. Good to talk to you, Courtney. Bye. Newey Scruggs, NBC5, Dallas Fort Worth Sports Director. Follow him at Newey Scruggs. It's Spain and Fitz. Courtney Cronin filling it. And when she is our co host, we have to talk some Chicago Bears. We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I love it when our questions of you guys take off. And the one today. Man, are we getting some good responses. It is the six-year anniversary of Max Kellerman's classic take that Tom Brady's just about done. Going to be a bum soon. He's only won three Super Bowls since. We asked for colder, hot takes, and you guys are finding them. Involving war, pandemics, the greatest of all time. Those are coming up soon. That's a tease for you, because I need you to stick around for those. You guys are doing a fantastic job with the cold hot takes. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin, in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Courtney Cronin's going to give us some inside Bears chatter in just a minute here, but I wanted to give a quick update on something we talked about yesterday. We've been trying to keep you updated on the Brittany Griner story. Yesterday we told you that we had heard that the U.S. had offered up a prisoner swap, had been in contact to bring back both Brittany Griner and another jailed American, Paul Whelan. Well, now the Kremlin is warning that a possible swap needs to be negotiated quietly without fanfare. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said today, Washington had offered Russia, sorry, said yesterday about Washington offer Russia a deal and said, quote, we know that such issues are discussed without any such release of information. Um, this is from the Kremlin spokesperson. Normally the public learns about it when the agreements are already implemented. No agreements have been finalized and refuse to provide further details. So when a Kremlin spokesman is saying he wants it to be quiet, when the U.S. is making it loud, Courtney, every step along the way here has been intentional. Mm-hmm. And T.J. Quinn is usually out ahead of all of these things. He tells us, you know, there'll probably be a guilty plea. There'll probably be, you know, uh, the, a pushing back of this trial date, etc. He kind of knows what's happening based on the theater of pretending like this court system is real and not just for show in order to continue to hold her unlawfully. And it feels as though this is yet another one of those moments where it's a game of cat and mouse, where the people involved understand what goes on over there in Russia and are now trying to figure out the best approach to get the desired outcome. And we would have never even gotten to this point where there was discussion of a prisoner swap had the United States not finally gotten loud about this mm-hmm. from the you know from the oval office and now it's it just, like you said cat and mouse game i think of you know dangling something in front of somebody and then pulling it away that's yeah. exactly what's happening here and it, it's frustrating to see because it's all calculated within um the realm of what russia is doing right now and it worries yeah. me of how much longer it's going to drag on this way and what the ultimate price is going to be in order to get Brittany griner to come home T.J. Quinn reporting uh, several hours ago, CNN reported that Biden administration officials said they were vocal because Russia hadn't responded to the proposal that they made in June. Something to keep in mind, there's always more to a story like this than we realize. It's like trying to figure out what's happening in a chess game when in reality there are 10 games going on at the same time and they all affect each other. Keep in mind yet again that there are any number of things that affect this beyond what you think you know about what happened, particularly if you are applying your understanding of the American court system to what's going on in Russia right now. They are not the same, and your opinion is probably uninformed. So keep following TJ Quinn. 
Keep following the reporters who are doing the work on this, and hopefully we'll have a positive update about the outcome soon. It's Spain and Fitz. Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz. And Courtney Cronin is the new Chicago Bears beat reporter. I was so excited the other day driving around Chicago listening to ESPN 1000, hearing that you would be getting your own song. I'm so excited for that. Uh, Tom Waddle has a knack for starting to sing with no larger plan, and it has resulted in a couple good songs, including the Nick Friedel, the Bulls beat reporter, Nick Friedel. He tweets every quarter. Nick Friedel, the tweet jacket is not a fad. Nick Friedel, um, I can't remember the last line, but it, it's been a while since I've heard that one. But uh, our beloved JD had a song as well, and now it's your turn. And uh, I'm a little worried for you. You asked for something ratchet that would make people want to turn the radio off. I don't know if that no, was I said the right turn it down. I wanted to like, you know, sometimes <laughs> you're driving home and it's five o'clock at night on a Wednesday, which sounds like it's going to be my time spot and, and you're exhausted. <laughs> and it's like, okay, like, whoa, like I just got, you know, Tom Otto, like, you know, what's that? News. Exactly. Let's do this. <laughs> exactly. That was All what right. I was aiming for. All right. I'm looking forward to hearing it. What's the big takeaway uh, so far from... I would love to hear how different Bears camp feels from, say, the Vikings camp you spent years at leading up to this. I mean, structurally, it's different in terms of, like, how we cover it every single day. And I certainly appreciate the 10 a.m. practice versus practicing at 2.30, which is what's going on in Minnesota right Mm. now. It's nicer to get it done at the earlier part of the day where it's not as hot. But there are a lot of new faces, you know, myself included, uh, for this team that's undergoing – the very beginning stages of don't call it a rebuild because some people like Robert Quinn don't want to hear that Mm. phrase be thrown around. Um, But that's exactly where they're at. They're at the beginning of something that is a long calculated thought out process right now. And there's a like for, for a lot of these veterans, because we keep hearing that, you know, the setting the standard and and there's a reestablishing a culture and and almost shots taken at like the last regime uh, players that we've spoken to about, well, how different are things now? It's like the attention to details, apparently more focused in on with this staff. So it's not to say that that wasn't there previously, but you have a lot of veterans who are having to buy into something that has been completely different than what they were used to under Matt Nagy and his staff. So it's interesting to see how they're responding to it. Granted, the pads don't come on for a couple of days. Everyone is still relatively healthy. Spirits are still high because everyone thinks they can win the Super Bowl at this time of year. But I did take some some a sense of self-awareness from Jalen Johnson, who's a starting cornerback on this team, that, they, that he knows it's going to be a long, tough season. Yeah. And to be able to prepare say- yourself for that and, and know it now is a way to set yourself up for success than actually having false expectations for what could be. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like then the players are more optimistic than certainly media and fans who have all but said, what are the Bears doing? They're not giving (laughs) Justin Fields any help. This is a definite lost season. We'll be lucky to win four games. And, you know, there are some obvious reasons why, and and that is the players that they've been willing to say goodbye to. And Eddie Jackson, uh, safety for the Bears, was asked about suddenly looking around and realizing, oh, I I think I might be in charge now. Also said you realize you know what I got to be a leader now was there a moment when you said I need to take this upon myself was there some big realization hey this is my time to step up oh uh, man when they really got rid of everybody you know <laughs> that, that was that was the, the the big turning point man they got rid of everybody like I said you know Mac was my boy like Keen Danny like you know them was our guys you know but now it's like 
you turn around, you look like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys in the room now. So it's like, and you know, these young guys coming in, like, they going to look at you. You know, and Coach Drake, he tells me, listen, baby, you ready to lead because we're ready to follow. So you got to lead from the front, doing all the right things, even when no one's looking. Yeah, and I mean, even in a season that isn't expected to be a winning one uh, in the sport like the NFL, you got to give it your all every game, and every game matters. 100%, and there's so many new faces. So someone like Eddie Jackson assuming that leadership role to try to right this ship uh, and guide it the direction he wants to go I think is important. Well, I'm looking forward to being able to pick your brain. And I still do feel like someday I need to just have, like, take a Spain to work day. Because yes, I've never worked with Bears me. camp. And I want to go just wander around and follow you, see how you do your job. And I think I could probably finagle a credential. You know, I, I did their schedule release video two years ago. It was during <laughs> COVID. They were very limited. But I still have that in my back pocket. I think I could try to pull something off. Uh, I would love a little day at camp. It's Spain and Fitz. Coming up, Mets swept the Yankees. The trade deadline is ever near. Hall of Famer Tim Kirkshin joins us next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We are so happy to welcome in recently named Hall of Famer, honored by Cooperstown with the BBWAA Career Excellence Award, Tim Kirkchen, ESPN MLB analyst, who I would think should be being carried around on a throne and fanned down by servants, and yet here he is just still working the base beat. Tim, how are you just back at it after all this? <laughs> well, I didn't have a choice. I had to get back to work. I love covering the sport, so this was <laughs> the only place to go. But it was a, it was an unforgettable weekend. It was the most powerful, overwhelming experience of my entire life i i can't even begin to explain what that was like well you made us all cry with your speech which was expected uh so thank you for that and while we're talking about your career i want to quickly ask you to reminisce and ask yourself if you've ever had a take this bad that happened six years ago on this day tom brady's just about done it could be his next game he plays it could be a year from now but he is going to fall off a cliff Tom Brady is going to be a bum in short order. Now, what do I base that? <laughs> yeah. On? Well, okay. Oh, so, Tim, can you, Tim, say that again? Can oh, you, can yes. you think back to a moment in your career when you had to take that bad? Well, it wasn't a take, but uh, Larry Parrish, is, uh, when he played for the Rangers, <laughs> his wife had a baby, and um, he missed the game. So, Doug Rader, the mischievous manager told me, yeah, mom's at home, everything's okay. I said, what's the baby's name? He said, Buford. So I said, no, he can't name his son Buford. That's not true. He said, well, that's the, that's the boy's name, Buford. So Larry Parrish came back to the ballpark the next day in Minnesota because I put it in the paper. Larry Parrish missed a game. His, his, his wife had a baby. His name is Buford. And Larry came up to me. He's twice my size. and said, Tim, the boy's name ain't Buford. His name, his name was Josh, and they, and they, they had a nickname for him like JP or yeah JP. So every time that, he, every time that he would get in trouble as a kid, they would they would call him Buford, like Buford. We told you not to do that. Oh no! All because I screwed it oh, up in the paper. No. Not a bad take, a really bad mistake. <laughs> Tim, it's been quiet the last couple of days with trade deadline approaching on August 2nd, but the Yankees did add all-star Andrew Benatendi last night. I'm, I'm wondering from like two perspectives, 
How impactful will this trade be where he's effectively the Joey Gallo replacement for the New York Yankees? And, and do you feel like the Royals got enough back with those pitching prospects in return for Ben Attendee? Yeah, I was told the Royals did well in that deal, but it's hard to tell now because you won't know for several years. As for the Yankees' end, um, they had to add another outfielder. He is a gold glove caliber. He puts the ball in play, which separates him from Joey Gallo and a lot of other players in today's game. He made the all-star team, and he can hit. So I thought it was a good move by the Yankees. They didn't disturb their major league roster. And I think this probably takes them out of the Juan Soto hunt. I'm pretty sure it does. But they're not done yet. They're going to go get a starting pitcher. They'll probably go get a reliever somewhere. So the Yankees have to win this year. And Andrew Benintendi, at least on some level, is going to help them. Tim Kirkchen with us. You can follow him at Kirkchen underscore ESPN. We had Jeff Passan on a little while ago, a couple days, last week sometime, and he didn't think that Soto should be moved. He just thought the timing wasn't right. But now it seems sort of an inevitability. Where do you think he's likely to land? Well, I'm not positive he's going either, but um, because a deal of this magnitude, and this will be one of the biggest trades in baseball history, usually takes about six months to engineer. And Mike Rizzo has to do it in two and a half weeks. So I'm not positive this is going to happen, but logic says you're going to get more for him now. The Nationals are getting more for him now than if they trade him after the season or certainly this time next season because if you trade him now, the team that gets him gets him for three Octobers, three postseasons. So we've heard the Cardinals, they make sense. The Padres, they make sense, obviously. Dodgers and Yankees always make sense, but I'd be surprised, very surprised, if either of those teams ended up with Juan Soto. But there's no telling what's going to happen here. This is the beauty of the trade deadline. Don't forget, Max Scherzer was headed to the Padres last year in a deal. It was almost done. People announced it was done, and he finished the season with Dodgers. So you got to be careful this time of year. Speaking of the Padres, is it possible that at the trade deadline they're looking for a starting pitcher? Well, I can't imagine why. Their their pitching has been exceptional, and I think personally um, – well, everyone's looking for pitching. No matter how much you have, you're always looking for more. But the Padres are a hitter short, if not two hitters short. And when Fernando Tatis comes back, uh, that's going to be a good jolt of offense. But they're still not a particularly good offensive team. And if they're going to beat the Dodgers or beat some those powerhouse teams in the American League, um, they're going to have to add another bat. So that's what I think they're going to do. I think Soto makes more sense for them than anyone else. If you can imagine Tatis, Junior, Soto, Manny Machado hitting one, two, three in the next three Octobers, which is a possibility, and they have prospects to trade, I think it's something that the Padres really have to look at. Tim Kirkshen is with us. Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin at Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Speaking of arms, Luis Castillo's is the best one out there. Yankees clearly in the mix. Seattle, I've heard, like Courtney said, the Padres. What other teams might surprise us, or do you think that this is a simple matter of the the, the, the rich getting richer with the Yankees? 
Well, the Yankees want him, and the Yankees need him, and the Yankees have expectations exceptionally high. But that doesn't mean they're definitely going to get him. I would make them the leaders, but but only slightly. You know, the Cardinals, the Cardinals have to get somebody here just to make the playoffs and keep that thing going in St. Louis. So I, I wouldn't count out the Cardinals. They have to add a starting pitcher, if not two. And Castillo is the best one out there, as you said. But the Yankees, you know, have prospects to deal. They have more money than everyone else. And, again, they haven't been to the World Series since 2009, got off to a historic start, stumbled a little bit here lately, not going to be good enough to just, you know, make the playoffs and get knocked out in the second round. They need to go to and win the World Series, and Castillo would really help them. I haven't seen Mike Trout on the field since July 12th. And then we find out recently that he has been diagnosed with a rare back condition called a coastal vertebral dysfunction at T5. So it sounds like something that's going to affect him. The rest of his playing career, according to Los Angeles Angels athletic trainer Mike Frostad, how, like, what do you make of this sort of injury news about Mike Trout and, and thinking about how it's going to affect his future? Yeah, it's it's a worrisome situation, uh, no doubt. Um, but Jeff Fletcher, our pal from Orange County Register, wrote a story today, basically quoting a spinal surgeon saying, look, this is not career-ending. It's not good, but it's not career-ending. It can be handled. It's inflammation. You know, if you, if you, you handle everything properly, this will go away. But then you have to do a lot of upkeep to make sure that it doesn't come back. I always worry about back injuries no matter who it is. I mean, Don Mattingly was headed to the Hall of Fame and then his back just gave out on him and he didn't make it because he was no longer productive as he needed to be because his back just wasn't cooperating. So anytime you hear it's a back, you worry. When you hear Mike Trout's hurt, you worry. But I don't think this is as serious as it was originally made out to be. It's Spain and Fitz talking to Tim Kirkshen. You can follow him at Kirkshen underscore ESPN. All right, before we let you go, is there a second half prediction or team or player that you think not enough folks are talking about? Uh, well, that's a good question. I just keep thinking the White Sox have to do something mm. at some point. <laughs> Anything. But I've been saying, do I've been saying it for three months, and I'm waiting. I've been waiting saying it for years. For, right. <laughs> but they were good last year. They made the playoffs last year. I thought they would win easily in that division, and they, they've shown no signs of getting hot and really making this happen. So. I guess that makes it a bold prediction that a team that just hasn't gotten it going yet is going to get it going at some point in the second half and somehow win that division. That's pretty bold at this point. That's very bold. Given if us, you've watched but, them uh, at all. <laughs> I, I, there's just too, much talent, just too much talent there to be uh, banging around where they are. Awesome stuff, Tim. Congrats again on the weekend, and thanks so much for the time. Okay, thanks, Sarah. See you. Tim Kirkson the greatest with us here on Spain and Fitz. Coming up, we've played you the unforgettable take from Max Kellerman. You've come up with some very, very, very cold takes to match. We'll get into them next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Bernie Cronin in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Man, we've had fun with this one. So uh, I hate to do it to Max, but we should probably play it just one more time. It is the six-year anniversary of Max Kellerman saying this about Tom Brady. I think we have it. Tom Brady's just about done. 
it could be his next game he plays, it could be a year from now, but he is going to fall off a cliff. Tom Brady is going to be a bum in short order. Now, what do I base that on? What, ho, ho, Can you say that again? Ho, ho. Yes. Ho. Hold up. Yeah. Did you just say that Tom Brady is just about done? Yeah. And he's going to be a bum in short order? Is that what you just said? Correct. A bum in short order. Yes. Yeah. That the way happened. that he said bum just got yeah. me. A, a bum. bum. Capital B. So good. Um, we asked you for some of the coldest takes you could remember. Anything that would stand up to what Max said. And you got some good ones. More recent one from Kyle Madsen. The one where Nick writes that Andrew Wiggins was a bad basketball player and the Warriors championship days were over. And then the Warriors won a championship with Andrew Wiggins as their second best player. Decent. Uh, it's a decent one. Very recent. Um, somebody sent me a tweet from someone named Urkel9 who said, LeBron is 30. This bleepery won't go on for much longer, thank God. That was in 2015. <laughs> Fortunately for that person, the bleepery continues. Um, this one's great. Reed Jack sent us a couple. He is a great sports historian out of Chicago. You should follow him for all sorts of things, especially deep dives into Chicago sports. At Reed Jack is where you can find him. Uh, a quote from Bernie Lincecum in 1992. It is doubtful that young quarterback Brett Favre will be any more of a long-range savior than Don Machkowski was before him. Yeah, that didn't work out for him. Uh, Reed Jack also coming through with the absolutely tremendous take. Quote from Bulls GM Rod Thorne after drafting Michael Jordan. Jordan isn't going to turn this franchise around, and I wouldn't ask him to. He's a very good offensive player, but not an overpowering offensive player. Did, he, much, did old takes exist? Did some form or fashion right. of that exist back then? At, at any point, if you were saying anything other than Michael Jordan is a god, chances are you'll end up on the uh, cold takes exposed. There's some very good ones that are um, not sports related that people shared. Uh, one of the ones that I love is the uh, the potentially biggest freezing cold take of all time. Uh, this is from a very old newspaper, and it reads... Archduke's death removes danger of European conflict. Murdered prince said to have been a militarist who favored Germany's aggressive policy. Whew. Glad we avoided that one, Courtney. Um, yeah, that one didn't go over so well. Um, uh, at Kenosha Kid, me in the 1980s, predicting that Cindy Lauper would have a longer and better career than Madonna. <laughs> Yep, that one's no good. Uh, speaking of music, Photog Frank, a recording executive at DECA, told the Beatles in 1962, quote, we don't like their sound. Groups with guitars are on the way out. <laughs> Nailed that one. <laughs> sure that went over well there. Uh, someone pointed out that former President Trump, in an interview with CNBC, was asked about the first diagnosed U.S. case of coronavirus and said, we have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China, and we have it under control. It's going to be just fine. That's like as good as the uh, two weeks dun, dun, dun. to curve the spread. Yeah, yeah. Two years later, here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, it'd be funny if it weren't so deeply depressing. Uh, at MC Bar One, quote from Lou Gehrig's high school newspaper, Gehrig, our first sacker, can certainly field, but he's woefully weak at the bat. Well, things got better there. Uh, Rosebug says Andy Benoit said a few years ago he'd take Jacoby Brissett over Russell Wilson. That didn't work out. Uh, of course, the very famous Chicago Daily Tribune, Dewey defeats Truman. That's a that one. is among the coldest, Courtney. 
I mean, it's been enshrined in a photo that has become meme worthy ever since like how how many nearly 100 years ago. That's incredible. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, I feel like that needed to happen, though, just to put the fear of God in the hearts of all newspaper editors. I mean, that thing literally went to print, of course. I mean, <laughs> being a newspaper reporter in the days where, like, print, uh, the print product was so prevalent, you were always worried about, oh, my goodness, did a mistake get in the paper? Is it yeah. going to be literally <laughs> living a whole day of old takes exposed or false takes exposed? That reminds me, Courtney, have you been on the Bears beat long enough to hear about when the Bears announced their coach without the contract having been signed? I have not. Okay, so this is a perfect time to enlighten you of another fantastically cold take. And this was in January of 99. They wrongly announced Dave McGinnis as their new head coach. Big press release. This is going to be the 12th head coach of the Bears. Office memos welcoming him. And then McGinnis rejected the offer and left Hallis Hall calling it a lack of integrity in the process. So they lost their first choice for head coach because they reported prematurely that he had accepted the offer and they d- he did not like the process, so he did not sign the contract and never became the head coach, but they had already announced it. That's wild. Like, yeah. You got to wonder, how do we get these things wrong? Yeah. And then you see yeah. what the franchise has turned into. Yeah, and then you start to think, oh, that seems about right. Uh-huh. Uh, Bino Cook predicted that Ron Paulus would win two Heisman trophies. Who is that? Who's Ron Paulus, you ask? <laughs> Not someone who won two Heisman trophies. He was a four-year starting quarterback at Notre Dame, but he, he did not ever win a Heisman. Uh, this is a great one from Mark E. Ortega. Thank you for sharing this. The Newsweek headline is, Why the Web Won't Be Nirvana. And this gentleman, Clifford Stoll, writes, After two decades online, I'm perplexed. It's not that I haven't had a gas of a good time on the internet. I've met great people and even caught a hacker or two. But today, I'm uneasy about this most trendy and oversold community. Visionaries see a future of telecommuting workers, interactive libraries, and multimedia classrooms. They speak of electronic town meetings and virtual communities. Commerce and business will shift from offices and malls to networks and modems, and the freedom of digital networks will make government more democratic. Baloney. Do our computer pundits lack all common sense? The truth is no online database will replace your daily newspaper. No CD-ROM can take the place of a competent teacher. And no computer network will change the way government works. That might be like the biggest of them all. And it's like that guy. That guy literally foreshadowed the work from home everything. life and everything that we've been doing since the pandemic started. And also reverse effects on the democracy. It did not, in yeah. fact, make it stronger. It seems to have potentially torn it asunder forever. And here we are. Uh, this is similar to the one sent to us from Jim Grigsby Nine. Thomas Watson, then president of IBM, predicted that the market for computers in the home was less than five. He said, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. <laughs> I mean, what year was this? Um, apparently, this is from the president of IBM, 1943. Tom oh, so we're like Watson. going like way, way back. We're like, yes. these people are not even alive anymore to have seen how cold their fair, takes turned out to be. Yes. To be fair, when he said computer, he meant vacuum tubed powered adding machine that's as big as everyone's house. Yes, exactly. Uh, still kind of funny. Uh, although Only now five. That, now that I'm digging even deeper, uh, it appears to be fake news. Uh, apparently that is not what he said. So 
I apologize for spreading fake news, but mostly I'm mad at Jim Grigsby 9 for sharing it. Uh, finally, this one, always in the running. Stugatz. You to go 14-2 and two and allow Alex Smith to oh, leave no. Arrowhead Stadium, to leave Kansas City. Go ahead, I dare you. Because of Patrick Mahomes. Oh. Because you think you could turn Patrick Mahomes into something that Alex Smith is not. Alex Smith is a very good quarterback. The audacity. First off, to do this to Alex Smith who's been very good and loyal to Andy Reid and won him a lot of football games, to dangle Patrick Mahomes out there because Andy Reid thinks he's some sort of quarterback whisperer, which he is not. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.